0: Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Get It Whacked, a Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Max CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is Pet Food Supplies. Pet Food Supplies are a local family-run pet shop based in Macclesfield. With friendly and approachable staff willing to give advice for all your animal needs, Pet Food Supplies also offer a delivery service available to the local area. You can find out more at www.mosslanepetfood.co.uk or by searching Pet Food Supplies on Facebook. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man made his debut for Macclesfield Cricket Club in 2002 and progressed through the academy to represent the first team before making the switch to the Manchester League. A master of flight and guile, he is also an unsung thinker and tactician. Much maligned for wearing blue when really he bleeds red. He's a man who knows a man... Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Liam Markey, Leroy, how are you? Mate, are you okay? Mate, I'm very, very good indeed. Very happy to have you on the podcast. How's things your end?
1: Yeah, good. You picked me up a bit there, though, mate.
0: Well, you know, you've you've got to introduce your guests and uh, paint them in the right light, and and then I'd just let you destroy all those uh, images for everyone else for you. <laughs> They already know. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, maybe you'll come out of this uh, sh- with shining endorsements from everyone. And, you know.
1: I highly doubt that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, as I said, mate, all joking aside, it's really good to have you on the podcast. Uh, you know, you've been away from the club for a few years, but, you know, you're never too far away. And uh, as such, it'd be uh, remiss of me not to ask how the lovely Nicola and young Percy are.
1: Yeah, they're doing great. Yeah. The big lads have just gone down for a, for a kip. Hopefully he stays asleep. And uh, Nicola's got a nice little glass of wine in the front room
0: excellent did you uh did you pour that for him mate
1: uh, i didn't know. uh
0: well there you go you've you've given yourself the first shot on the podcast i didn't have to do anything did i no nah. <laughs> <laughs> so how's uh how's life been through the pandemic and you know the year that was 2020 and hopefully we're all working past that
1: it's not been too bad the first lockdown was quite good i got to spend a lot more time with uh percy as we we're only working part-time but it feels like it's starting to drag a little bit now, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, obviously, it's uh, it's not great to be to be back in another lockdown, but you know, the optimists out there will say there's a sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so you know, we 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 can we can we can but hope, mate. Hopefully, let's, let's get everybody jabbed up and get back out of there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you you mentioned a bit of work there, mate. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting just to 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 ask you, tell us what you do when you're not playing cricket.
1: I cut grass for a living when I'm not playing cricket. <laughs>
0: it's simple that's all i do you do you're a man who loves the grass uh, you might say <laughs> so uh going into it a little bit deeper than that Lira, i gave, i gave you a bit of a prod in your introduction i obviously said you wear blue when really you bleed red come on tell us what yeah. you really do
1: I know you don't like to talk about football, but I I work for Manchester City Football Club at the training ground.
0: Where, by all accounts, you cut grass.
1: Yeah, it's it's that simple, Maz. There's no thinking to the job, just cut the grass. (laughs) Stay out out of trouble.
0: Now, uh, come on, Leroy. You're not a blue man, are you? You are, in fact, a a lifelong red.
1: Uh, Yeah, but the blues pay the mortgage, so... (laughs) <laughs> it's that simple
0: <laughs> and do you uh do you get much stick obviously for having to walk uh walk to work in your, in in your man city kit when you live in a predominantly uh man united area
1: uh i did a little bit of the old house you know you get a few funny looks from people and I, use, I forget you're wearing the the city badge i forget you're wearing it. it's just a work uniform and you wonder why people were staring at me i was dressed with Etihad airways written all over me <laughs> walking around Salford.
0: Well, I, I don't think you'll uh, take umbrage with me for saying you don't remind me of a flight attendant.
1: Oh, that's cold, man. <laughs> I'm
0: good at serving drinks. Yes, yes, you are indeed. I'm sure we'll get onto that a bit later on. Um, <laughs> now, you know, obviously, we, we talked a little bit about... Uh, cutting grass. And, and as you said, I, I like to avoid football wherever possible. Yeah. But um, let's take it on to some cricket, Leroy. What would you say your, your earliest cricketing memories are?
1: My earliest memories of watching um, my stepdad play, I think a few people, know like Mark Hodgson, he used to play at Parkside across from the Tins. And from the age of six, seven, eight, I was always down there just watching the guys play cricket, the likes of John Knight, Jason Knight, DC, those guys play. And just being around the club all the time, really.
0: And at what point did you sort of uh, venture into cricket for yourself? Was was that through Parkside or was it Macclesfield by that point?
1: I think it was still Parkside, wasn't it? And there were still two separate clubs. I think the juniors merged before the senior teams did. But I think I did a couple of years from probably the age of seven to nine at Parkside. And then it became the Maxfield Cricket Academy and just played all through there. I think Stuart Garner, I think Alfie was my first coach at Maxfield, actually.
0: And then, obviously, uh, you're sort of making your, you know, transition in the academy through to sort of senior cricket. Are there any sort of memories you have from, you know, working with the likes of Alfie and, and other people in the academy before you, you made the, the jump up to senior cricket?
1: I think fairly much from the age of 11, I was playing senior cricket at third team level, really just fielding, really. But the likes of Alfie, did a lot of coaching with us. Roger Moss did a lot with us as well.
0: So you, you mentioned obviously making your debut probably and, and starting to play some senior cricket uh, when you were quite young, sort of 11 or 12, and maybe just doing a bit of fielding. I assume at that point, the third team was uh, a Sunday team and then there were two teams on a Saturday, is that right? At
1: first, I think it, uh, it was for 10 or 11 and it was, it was literally just a season of fielding, but it was the best thing ever to me at that age. 10 or 11, just running around a cricket field on a Saturday, it literally just was the best thing ever.
0: Were you playing with his stepdad at that point?
1: I think, yeah, I think I played, yeah, that was the last season that Mark played. I think that's, he wanted to play one season of cricket with me and then he was done and has played golf ever since, which my mother loves. <laughs> <laughs> the golf widow that she is.
0: And then after that, obviously, there was the sort of merger between Parkside and Macclesfield, which we've talked about. And then you obviously made your you sort of transition into playing for, for Macclesfield in the seniors. Um, and I believe you started playing in the third team, I assume, is that right?
1: yeah because they had the three teams on their Saturday, so I remember I remember the first game actually Steve Whit played in it and took a bag full of wickets, I think his first bunnies for max CC.
0: You might say he sort of showed you the way, leroy, right? I don't know what do you think no 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 no
1: no no miles please don't <laughs> <laughs> no. I can get my I can get my wallet out of the bar.
0: That is true. There there are some stark differences between the two of you. One of the foremost differences is that you absolutely will get your wallet out of the bar. Um, but isn't it isn't it interesting we've sort of come full circle because you're talking about your first game for the for the third team and Witters being there taking bags of wickets and playing in the third team the last couple of seasons and taking bags of wickets. Yeah, it still
1: hurts me that he's taking wickets.
0: Oh well I mean you know, we've opened up this kind of worms. You know, is, is there anything you want to tell us about uh, Stephen Whittingham's bowling? No, nothing. The man's an absolute gent. That is a politician's <laughs> answer, Leroy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, you know, look, looking at your sort of your stats and the games played, um, you know, going back to your sort of early cricketing career and... Progression and things like that. Um, you know, I think I'm right in saying that you've actually kind of represented all four teams at Macclesfield ac- across the three Saturday teams and the Sunday fourth team um, somewhat equally. I think you've predominantly played most of your cricket for the first and the second team, but I think you've got about 20 games for the fourth team and you've played about 30 games for the threes as well. Um, Is that something, you know, you sort of felt that progression at the time when you were playing? Or is it uh, more a case of you being someone that's played wherever required?
1: Uh, A bit of both, really. I just love playing cricket. So, a lot of the fourth team games were when, obviously, I worked Saturdays when I was working at Maxfield Town. And I just wanted to play cricket. So, whenever I was picked to play, I did. The progression happened a little bit strange. I was playing third team. I'd just come back from playing in New Zealand. And I was playing third team. And... I think it was Path was captain, and I jumped from the third team to the first team um one Saturday to the next Saturday, which was quite a surprise for me
0: and then obviously, having sort of played in the ones and you know batting and bowling, which we'll get to um as I said, I think you've played the most of your cricket in the in the second team um and you know probably been lucky to be under various captains and things like that that we we'll get to but um you know w- w- would you say you ever sort of felt you'd found your level or you were particularly most comfortable playing in in a certain team at a certain time in your career
1: not really no I just like i said i was just happy to play wherever really as long as you're on the field my friends playing a bit of cricket i'm at a beer after i was happy wherever
0: well i think that's something that endures for all of us isn't it mm. correct Miles. <laughs> well, we've we've talked about some of your, uh, you know, your appearances and things like that. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about a few stats with you now, Leroy. Are you much for stats, man?
1: I'm not. No, I did have a little look though when you got in contact with me, and I didn't realise how poorly my stats will be.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that, but I I, I, I don't know. I, I think you, you know, your stats are not the worst by any means. Um, now the first and most important question, Leroy, is of course, you know, we always talk about people considering themselves all-rounders. You know, where where do you fall into the mix? Are you a bowler that sort of got the long handle out? Are you bowling all rounder? Did you did you always think you were a batter that bowled a bit? Where where are you on the scale? I want to say drinker. <laughs> well, you can definitely be a drinker as well But, um, you know, I've, I've got to push you for an answer on this, Leroy Are you flirting with that all-rounder title? or
1: No, I was never that good with a bat to say that And I probably wasn't that good with a ball either <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I can stand at the slips, that was about it <laughs> but,
0: Could you catch? That's, I mean, that's irrelevant, let's be honest
1: uh, Yeah, just about yeah, well. it a When it came my way
0: well, let's let's have a look at the stats, mate. We'll start with the batting first. I, I have to say, I think I think you're doing yourself a little bit of discredit. But um, look, in total, you've played 195 games with uh, 155 innings, 30 not outs, scoring 2,373 runs, with a higher score of 90 not out, and uh, 12 ducks only, which I. I would say 12 ducks from 155 innings is disappointingly low for someone that doesn't think they can bat by your own ambition.
1: That's not too bad, is it,
0: actually, 12 ducks? I thought it would be more. No, 12 ducks and... I did that Six fifties as well, mate, with, uh, as I say, a high score of 90 not out. Yeah, I'll take that, actually. That that 90, were you, uh, were you disappointed not to get to the 100?
1: Uh, if I remember rightly, I think this was against... It was a fourth-team game against Ash, Ash, Ashley... I don't know if you've ever played against them. They were a really good set of blokes. Uh, used to always stay for a pint after on a Sunday. And I think I was on about 60 or 70, and I was seeing it quite well. And the wicketkeeper kicked the stumps and then tried to stump me. So I got to... I got, <laughs> I got to stay in. So after that, I was just like, it's fine, I'm just going to swing every ball. and <laughs> never once thought about getting a tonne.
0: Oh, well, that's said like uh, someone who doesn't take their batting too seriously. But, you know, to your credit, 650s and, you know, 2,300 runs, uh, I think you've obviously, you know, had your contributions when they matter. Every so often I could put bat on ball. (laughs) Very, very good. Now, moving on to the bowling. Now, in my humble opinion, I I would say that uh, your bowling stats probably stack up a little bit better than your batting stats. Um, And, uh, you know... You don't take the, the amount of wickets that you have without, uh, well, being able to bowl a bit. Um, so in total, you've bowled 826.1 overs, 76 maidens, taking 171 wickets, with a best bowling of 6 for 29, with 6 5-wicket hauls. Uh, striking at 28 and average 21. See, I have to say, Leroy... I'd be pretty pleased with those numbers all, all all said and done.
1: That's not too bad is it? I I, I will take that actually. That's much better than I thought.
0: Yeah, I I think I mean as I always say when when you're putting sort of uh, a good number of five wicket hauls on the board generally you, you're going to be you know influencing games pretty well and 171 wickets uh is uh, is is no mean feat. Do you, uh, do, do the limbs feel at 826.1 overs or how's the body yeah, at the moment?
1: Yeah, no, the body's, uh, lockdown hasn't been good to my body. <laughs> <laughs> we got locked, uh, we got, uh, i say over Christmas, so we just spent the whole 10 days um,
0: drinking beer. Now, uh, go, going on to uh, the fielding, you obviously mentioned that you, you like standing in the slips and occasionally you caught a few. Um, what I'll tell you is you have... Uh, 72 catches. Now, interestingly, it says that you have two stumpings. Please tell me you never kept wicket.
1: I kept wicket up until the age of 13,
0: 14. Well, it's interesting you say that because your two stumpings come from the 2003 season. Um, (laughs) So I don't know how old you were
1: then. I was 13.
0: (laughs) Tell me about Leroy, the wicketkeeper.
1: Not much to say. I was just, uh, I think I was the only person with the
0: gloves. (laughs) So you kept by virtue of the fact that you were the only person that owned wicket-keeping gloves? Is that what you said? Could have been. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just
1: lazy. I didn't want to bowl over and around. So it was easier to be a keeper, isn't it? Uh, See. Curly Moore's is not going to say that, and Yoss isn't going to say that. but...
0: See, I understand what you're saying, right? But I would rather run in and smash my body to bits bowling 14 overs every Saturday than I would having to keep bending down and tearing my hamstrings every ball so I, I can't agree with you there mate I'm sorry I, I would rather bowl than wicket keep what would you rather do now how about that
1: oh no, no I'm not keeping now I'm too old for that <laughs> I'll be bending up and down all day like that
0: well I mean not to say that uh you know people who know more about cricket than me would agree with me but uh you know, Jordan Clark, recent guest of the podcast, said the same thing. He'd rather bowl than keep wickets. So there's got to be something in it.
1: Yeah, I suppose.
0: No, but going back to the catching stats, uh, you know, 72 catches. You've got a couple of seasons where you've taken 10 plus catches. So I think we can say you could obviously catch a bit.
1: Well, I think if I remember right, I think it was my stepdad told me, he said, Liam, you're a fat lad, learn how to catch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> any, uh, any particular bowlers you enjoyed standing in the slips to?
1: Uh, Barney was always good to stand in the slips too, to be fair, you know, a nice little slow pace for you.
0: Is that on account of the fact that the ball never came your way, so you didn't have to catch it?
1: He did on the other occasion, but it came at a nice little pace.
0: Well, according to yours, he never beat the bat. so… <laughs>
1: <laughs> yours
0: did play a lot more years with him though, so… I don't know. Did you play much with him in the twos?
1: Uh, I probably played more when Barney was captain of the ones, to be fair. Than it did within the
0: second team. Well, maybe he got to the stage where he beat the bat. Who knows? <laughs> every every squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> right, mate. Well, moving on. There's a there's a couple of games I think it'd be good to to talk about, and uh, the first one is a is a batting performance from yourself, and there's there's a little bit of a backstory to this, but uh, we'll we'll talk about the game first, and then then we'll go back to the backstory. So this is from the 31st of May 2014, and this is. Macclesfield's second team in the Prem, and Macclesfield won the toss and elected to field against Ermston's second team. Now Ermston posted 204 all out from 48.3 overs. Yourself, interestingly enough, you didn't bowl that day. Now, we'll come back to that, uh, especially as the, the the man in question, the captain, uh, bowled a, a dubious amount of uh, overs that day, but he did take six wickets. However, we'll come back to that. Uh, and in reply. Macclesfield posted 176 for 9 off 51 overs, thus drawing the game. Now, yourself that day, you batted number 7 and you scored 45 not out, which on the surface might not necessarily be the most exciting of your innings, bearing in mind we've already talked about you scoring a few 50s and a 90 not out. However, as I said, there is a bit of a backstory to this. Um, in that the, the 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 man in question, who was captain that day, who bowled the aforementioned sixteen odd overs and didn't bowl you, um, was David Cowan, the man, the myth, the legend, and uh, he told me a, a pretty interesting story about this game, and and in fact something we'll come back to later on in the podcast. But uh, I believe you turned up in um, you know a particular type of state and uh, been given a bit of a talking to by DC. And and you went out and produced this innings and drawn the game. But, uh, you know, I won't put too many words in your mouth, Lira. I'll, I'll let you tell the story for what it is. What, what actually happened?
1: Well, not for the first time that season, I turned up a little bit unwell through maybe having a couple of drinks the night before. And DC wasn't particularly impressed by that. Uh, so it was very much talking to, I wasn't bowling today and I wasn't batting which was probably a fair point. Like it wasn't my first time that like, season I'd done this. And DC, I'm just looking at the scorecard now. DC and Steve Whit both really well at the end to pull it back in for us. And then, like I said, I remember, I remember DC saying, you're not buying. I think it, the words effing disgrace came out maybe, maybe a few other words. And DC could be a pretty scary bloke as well. <laughs> so I was very quiet and didn't want to say much. Um, and then it comes come to batting. We were a few wickets down, and I was, and I think DC was just, it's just literally told me to put my pads on. I was batting next, and I wasn't to come back out unless we'd drawn the game or we had won the game. Otherwise, I think he may have punched me.
0: <laughs> now, D- DC is a man that applies a, a particular type of uh, man management when it comes to his captaincy. Is that is that something you'd agree with?
1: Mm. Yeah, but I, I do remember a story of my stepdad telling me that um, they used to have a because he was DC was captain of, of Parkside when my stepdad played, and they used to all star that came off with a lovely glass of port, which I quite loved, which he didn't bring in for us, which I was upset about.
0: <laughs> well, maybe that's something you can uh, try and reintroduce in the future. Who knows? Possibly. Well, I've I've got a, a couple of little bits to add from DC about this. He uh, he he told me that. You know, you, you've given a fair account of the story. Uh, he told me that he'd said to you that you you turned up in a foul state, and uh, he told you you weren't batting and you weren't bowling, and uh, obviously the game was sliding sliding away a little bit. And he told you to get the pads on and and informed you and in known certain terms to to only come back once you'd either won or drawn the game. And and I think he he basically said to me that had you not done either of those things, there would indeed have been a fatality. So. Uh... <laughs>
1: I can say i was very quite scared <laughs> i remember jimmy knight was batting at the end and jimmy, jimmy can bat i don't know if jimmy can really bat but he had an injury and i remember we took a one or we were about to take a one and i was like no i better stay down here and finish this over and it was the most terrifying five balls of the rest of my life ever <laughs> and, and i could just see dc sat there with a fag on Staring at me from the side of the pitch, and I was thinking, just just kick these five balls away. Do not get out. Just
0: kick them away. Well, there's a, there's a couple of other things that I must mention from from DC. He, um, you know, not to uh, not to not to take anything away from DC. He he did mention that one of your your best knocks for him was against Didsbury away when yourself and Witters. Uh, apparently smashed it to all parts and lost several balls. Um, and apparently you, you put on about a ton in five or six overs. Um, and then they, they, you know, yourself and, and Witter spent uh, about half an hour trying to out hit each other. Um, but he, he remembers that innings fondly. Do, do you remember that game?
1: I do because uh, the general was still, it in, was him was in when I was coming to bat. And I think I remember his words were to me in a West Indian accident, which I'm going to try and do because he goes, hey, boy, there's no ones and twos no more. We're going to weave the big bamboo. And then persisted to plant that spinner back over his head four times that over.
0: <laughs> I tell you what, Leroy, that's a pretty good accent. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> now, the last thing from DC. He did say that I must ask you about your couscous and lager diet.
1: <laughs> the couscous and lager
0: diet? Oh, is this when I got a little bit thinner? I I yeah. don't I don't know. All he all he said to me was ask him about his couscous and lager diet. I can only really
1: assume that's yeah. And I, I literally was just I would just eat couscous and drink lager, and I, I did lose quite a little bit of weight doing it.
0: Well, I mean, if if uh, if all goes wrong with cutting grass, you can maybe produce your own diet book and get a, a damning indictment from DC.
1: <laughs> I don't think we'll sell many.
0: <laughs> I I think you you're probably right, Leroy. Now, uh, before we move on to the next game, mate, um, we've talked about DC a bit there. I, ha- I have got a final quote for him that he sent me that uh, he- he'd-, he'd like me to tell you. So, in the words of DC, he said, He certainly didn't turn up in that state just the once. And more often than not, he was straight off to the back course. To be honest, I always had a bit of a soft spot for him because he reminded me of myself.
1: That's nice from DC. that. I expected something a bit worse,
0: but <laughs> well, that's the, that's the, the words from the big man, showing show the sensitive side as well as the uh, the Tuesday man management style.
1: He's a good boat, DC. He was a good captain to play under as well. To be fair,
0: thank you for your continued support of the podcast since the debut episode back in March. We have amassed over seven thousand unique downloads and been recognised by the ECB. With a national award for proactive leadership in the community, as featured recently on Sky Sports. The podcast continues to develop and grow, and I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of you, the listeners, for continuing to support and engage with the podcast. The podcast is self funded, and we could not continue to create content without the support of our patrons. Thanks to our most recent patrons, Adam Longshaw and Roger Moss. For anyone interested in supporting the podcast, please visit www.patreon.com www.patreon, forward slash get it whacked. or you can click the link in the description of this podcast. Thank you. Very, very good. Well, we're going to move on to your uh, the other game I'd like to talk about here, Leroy. Now, this is a bit of a bowling performance from yourself. As I say, you've got the there's six five-wicket hauls in there, and uh, this is one of them. So this is from the 10th of July, 2010. Uh, Macclesfield second team again, playing Alton Park second team. Alton Park won the toss and elected to field, and Macclesfield posted 213 all-out in 50 overs, and in reply, Alton Park were all-out for 202 in 49.1 overs. Yourself that day... You bowled seventeen point one overs, two maidens, six for fifty-four. Uh, do you do you remember much about this game? I don't remember too much. I remember being very tired after that. Yeah, that's a bit of a stint, isn't it? Seventeen odd overs.
1: It's not too bad after four yards, but yeah, I felt pretty <laughs> stiff after.
0: Now looking at uh, looking at the scorecard, this. There's quite a few courts in there, but there's also uh, a few caught and bolds, actually, from yourself. Do you remember either of those? I think
1: that's the one of the main things. I remember taking a pretty good court. I might have been the last wicket, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember seeing Chris Moore just loving life and just was going crazy.
0: <laughs> Chris Moores, rarely a man to show too much extravagant emotion, I think it's fair to say. But uh, you obviously coaxed it out of him.
1: Oh, you can always get out of Chris.
0: Well, uh, the the Moores brothers, Andy and Chris there, took a, to, took a few catches that day. Uh, Moores took uh, a couple off of yourself. Uh, Curly took one. And then uh, a few caught and bolds.
1: Yeah. Let's, I, I've, when you asked me to think about bowling, I don't remember many many bowling at all games. But this one did. It's like I said, I remember a couple of caught and bolds. And Alton Park's a really nice place to play. I don't know if you've played there, Maz, have you? Yeah, have you? I always like playing that. It's a nice little ground to play at. And it was a good win because I think they were meant to be a strong side at the time, weren't they? If I remember rightly. I, yeah, I think,
0: wrong, though. I think Alton Park have always traditionally been a pretty strong side. Um, but, you know, stand to be corrected.
1: <laughs> but like I said, I, I don't, it's really hard. You asked me to try and remember some games. There's not many that ever stick in my mind. I think that's because I went to the pack after. But.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> well clearly according to dc you did but and by all accounts you didn't leave there until saturday morning possibly no comment <laughs> <laughs> now moving on to a, a few other bits uh, leroy obviously in, in your in your introduction i sort of mentioned that uh you know, I hope you, you don't take offence to this, but I think it's fair to say you're you're sort of a, a little-known or perhaps undervalued uh, sort of tactician and, and thinker of the game. Um, and certainly from my experience and a few sort of experiences other people have said to me, you are quite a, a thinker, a keen thinker of the game of cricket. Is that, is that something you would agree with?
1: I've never really been a thinker,
0: Miles, to be honest. <laughs> 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 well, may- maybe it comes from being a spin bowler, obviously, you know, you- you've got to think about where to put your men on the boundary to get wickets caught, just like uh, Witter's. I
1: learned that from Porter as well.
0: <laughs> well, funnily enough, he- he's uh, one of the one of the people that said a few things to me. But, uh, I well yeah, imagine a few things to say. Have you-, have you ever considered yourself sort of much of a sort of thinker? Have you-, have you been involved in kind of the tactical side of the game and captaincy and things like that? I think I did
1: half a season captain of the threes um, once. No, I just like to put my ideas across with you. Do you want to try and help? Like, well, let's say when I played under you, it's not to, it's just trying to help you guys out. If you see something that you think might work, you know, put it across and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely, obviously, uh, my end of cricket, uh, right the way up to, you know, you playing ones as well. But uh, I do remember actually playing a, playing a game with you, I think this was like 2016 or 2017. It was a T20 game away at Bramall. And... Um, yourself and, and the forgotten man that is jerry Ikin were, were playing who? exactly who uh no you, you yourself and jerry Ikin were playing along with sort of frankie barker and bostock and mitch and tom issue i think it was tom's first game for the club but um i remember that day uh, i always find t20s incredibly stressful to captain because you know not that every ball isn't isn't a bit of an event to a uh, to to, to to paraphrase uh, yours but especially in t20 cricket it's so fast paced and you know you have to be very reactive and you're adjusting things all the time and men outside the circle men inside the circle it's it's a stressful game and especially with, when you're a bowler It's one of the reasons i subsequently <laughs> asked Mitch to do the captaincy in T20 games so I could just concentrate on getting hit for six. But um, (laughs) joking aside, I I remember in that game, I didn't really know you that well. You were immensely helpful kind of coming up to me with just like little ideas and just things and and had a thought of this and we can probably save a run here and this batsman's doing that. What about that? And um, you certainly did it obviously in a really good way that I had very positive memories of you from doing that so you didn't come up to me as some people might and just tell me what to do um that's my at- helpful
1: when people do that though milo is
0: it no but bearing in mind you obviously you know you've played a much better standard of cricket than me but one of the 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 uh, overriding memories from this game is that uh you came up to me and you said we do this thing uh sometimes in the ones where you know in t20 crickets it's a bit of a good trick you know if you've had a good first three or four balls We'll push everyone to the edge of the circle and and we don't care if we go for a one or a two we just try and protect that boundary at all costs and it's a good way of kind of you know trying to protect a good over keep the run rate down so uh, so let's let's try and do that if you fancy and we'll, we'll call edge of and uh, you know if, if we call that everyone just moves to the edge of the circle and where we go and i thought oh yeah great 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 idea this let's use that and uh, it's sub- subsequently something I've taken on, and we, we use that in the threes quite a lot of the time. But at the time, I thought you'd said to me, hedgehog. So, <laughs> so so I was like, right, yeah, okay, cool. So when everyone calls hedgehog, we'll all move to the edge of the circle. So me mishearing edge of for hedgehog, which, you know, you can forgive me. <laughs> so up until about two or three years ago, I'm not even joking, I used to shout hedgehog and everyone looking at me like, why is that idiot saying hedgehog? Even though I knew and it only dawned on me literally two or three years ago that you'd actually said to me edge of. So as a result, when it then dawned on me, I sort of made a joke out of it. So now in the threes, everyone literally says hedgehog on purpose. Um, Although most people don't know it's because I I actually thought you told me it was hedgehog, not edge of
1: oh brilliant
0: so yeah it's a little a little anecdote um but talking about that obviously i did notice as well you you've played quite a lot of t20 cricket for uh for Maccusfields and you know it, it's something you, again you've played a lot for the ones and the twos and you played the old game for the threes is uh is t20 cricket something you enjoy
1: I love playing T20, it was suited to me T20 cricket because you can try and smash it from ball one and no one has a problem with it and when you're bowling, if you get smashed with six, <laughs> that's the idea isn't it? No one's going to get mad at you if you've even gone for six to the T20
0: so it was perfect. And <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you enjoy the sort of fast-paced nature and, and the sort of tactical side of T20 cricket?
1: Yeah and it was it was always, I felt as well you when know, i but I started playing ones. I didn't really get to do too much. But when it was T20, they let me have a ball or maybe a bat. So that's probably why I liked it a little bit more. So I was paying £5 to play instead of £10 to watch those guys play. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's like I said, T20 cricket is it's good fun, isn't it? Like I said, everyone enjoys playing it, don't they?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the, the shorter format of the game certainly has its place, I think there are those people that will always be a bit more purist about it. But, you know, certainly anybody that plays the game or any, indeed anyone that watches it can can kind of enjoy in the fact that, you know, you can go and watch a game of T20 at the club on a Wednesday night or stick one on on the telly. And, and it's difficult not to, to enjoy it for what it is, which is, you know, a bit more fast pace and hopefully a few people going for six, mainly on the opposition and not of your own bowling. And, you know, everyone kind of has a, a bit more of a... a a right to kind of go out like you say and and try and smash it and you can play with it with a bit more reckless abandon you might say Leroy. Yeah
1: yeah like I said no one's gonna get angry if you get out first ball trying to smash it for six in a T20.
0: Unless DC's captain.
1: Yeah then you'd kick it. (laughs) (laughs) You can't draw a T20 so
0: very very good well look it's uh, it's good to talk about some cricket there. I think it's fair to say we've 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 had a few mentions from a few people you've certainly mentioned a few people and i've uh, I've got a few little stories and and anecdotes and, and incidents but um before we get to that, one thing that I, I am keen to to press you about obviously I mentioned in the introduction you know you're a man that knows a man. But uh, I hear on the grapevine you might have set up your own business over lockdown and in, in in a in a spot of home brewing.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've just finished a bottle now, my my second batch, and it's well, I'm blowing me on trumpet, but it's delicious.
0: So what what are you, what are you brewing, Leroy? Tell us all about it.
1: I am brewing pale ales at the minute.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's just it's that simple. <laughs> a couple of pale ales. <laughs>
0: And I mean, was- on on the scale of you know hipster beer here, uh, are we are we talking sort of you know socks and sandals, or are we talking real sawdust stuff here?
1: It's probably pretty hipster, isn't it? Now I think about it, wow, <laughs> what's happened to me, Miles?
0: I I don't. I think- moved to Manchester and become a hipster. I don't think you can ever be referred to as a hipster, as you are a man <laughs> who loves a snapback. Let's be honest.
1: Yes, I do. Um, but no, it turns out that. Trying to drink through lockdown was really expensive, so I thought it would be cheaper to prove my own. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know what they say, mate. Don't get high on your own supply. Uh, <laughs> moving swiftly onwards. Now, moving on to a few uh, sort of funny stories and incidents, Leroy. I've uh, I've got a couple to mention. There's one from uh, Andy curly friend of the podcast, Patreon supporter, in T would like me to ask you about the night Carl Burgess sat on an aluminium chair.
1: Oh, this is a favourite. So this was a uh, Brews, and I can't remember what year. This is. I can't remember what year we went. It was just before the, they put the, the Hilton in at Old Trafford Cricket Ground. So we booked in Friday night, no Saturday night, Sunday night, uh, and Carl turned up on Sunday after they'd been playing in the threes. The twenty twenty, we'd been out, had a load of beers. Decided to go back to the lodge, sit on the balcony, a couple of smokes, a few more beers. And Carl is a big man. Hopefully he's going to be less of a big man with his uh, his weight loss at the minute.
0: Absolutely. And anybody interested, please do sponsor Carl in his uh, weight loss goals, the Pounds for Pounds Challenge. You're welcome, yes. Carl. Carry on, Leroy. I do need to donate to that.
1: But the, the big man himself made an aluminium chair fold like a crumpet. i just can imagine everyone just kind of stood there and laughed and no one helped him up because he was hilarious
0: so what you're saying to me is he made an aluminium chair disappear and they're still trying to find it
1: it 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 folded me into nothing it was it was quite Carl took it really well he laughed he he found it funny but yeah it was brilliant
0: (laughs) well he's 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 never a man that uh you know takes himself too seriously as our carl
1: no no (laughs) <laughs> it
0: was fun. Now, uh, another little incident or story, shall we say. Barney, the man you mentioned as a, a man you enjoy standing in the slips to, God knows why, he uh, he he told me, talking of uh, Alton and other places like that, he said you were always in your element on away trips to the Wirral. Uh, he especially remembers you singing various songs. Have you, uh, do you fancy yourself as a bit of a songster, Leroy?
1: Not at all, oh Milo,
0: no. I do... I love the fun bus. The fun bus was so much fun. And what was the fun bus for uh, For those that don't know? Uh,
1: literally, the fun bus was, uh, if we were travelling to the world. Barney would sort out, uh, sort out a minibus from somebody. Ports would usually drive uh, as he didn't drink. And so, obviously, we'd drive to the game, play the game, blah, 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 and then jump straight back on the bus and see how much beer we could consume. And there would be... Little drinking, I remember, was it that year that there's a few little drinking games? There's uh, Amy Wine Hands, uh, which is a glass of uh, not a glass of wine, a bottle of wine taped to each hand, and you can't take them off until you finish them. Edward Cider Hands, which is a three liter bottle of cider taped to your hands, you cannot take it off until you finish said bottle. Or there was a port challenge, and was it the year that Crossy decided to do the cider, Edward Cider Hands? I remember we got back to Broken Cross and he had about half a litre left. And he was about to just wet himself. <laughs> he was in the back of the bus crying. Oh, guys, let me off. I need a wee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't remember if anyone helped him out or not. And yeah, no, I can't remember if anyone did help him out. He was just whined in the back of the minibus and then was like, just drink it, finish it, <laughs> finish it and go for a wee.
0: Well, I think it's fair to say we don't uh, often think of our Australian brethren as being particularly good at uh, holding their liquid. <laughs> now, the last thing I'd like to mention, Leroy, is uh, you're talking about Porter there, and we've mentioned Barney. Now, both of them uh, are sort of quite fond of, of, of giving you a bit of stick with a few nicknames. And uh, I like to think that you know they're not very pleasant, to be honest. I mean, words like grimy, smelly. Stinky. Um, is, is there anything you'd like to sort of make a case for in your defence against these uh, horrible nicknames?
1: No, nah, they're probably true to be fair. I guess my wife.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to give you the opportunity to get your own back here, Leroy, because uh, I thought it was about time we we returned to one of our previous segments we've we, we've not done for a while, which is the word association game. Not perfect. So I'm I'm going to give you a few characters from around the club, and you know you can you can give me whatever words pop into your head. Bearing in mind, I encourage you to uh, keep this politically correct and uh, family friendly, Leroy.
1: Always, always. I don't think I've <laughs> sworn one shot of her.
0: No, I think you've done pretty well. Right. Man, Here we go. Craig Melrose. house. <laughs> John Birchall. Beryl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <The blank spiral. laughs> I'm just... Beryl. Sorry, can I tell you the story about the lodge with him in it? Of course you can. <laughs> so I think it could have been the same night that Carl folded the chair. So it must have been quite late on. Two, two, two in the morning, three in the morning, whatever time it was. And we had the two balconies next to each other. And I just remember a naked John Birchall climbing across the balconies to us, pretending to be Gollum. That image will never leave me. Ever.
0: As as you said, the the man is truly feral. (laughs) He really is. Khaled Sawaz. Haircut. James Crossweight. Lunatic. James Cross.
1: Nutjob. Absolute (laughs) nutjob.
0: David Bostock. Oh, pig. (laughs) David Cowan. Legend. Andy Moores. Rats. Mitch Moores.
1: Guinness. I'm going to say Guinness to Mitch.
0: Paolo Funtash.
1: Oh, now then, now then, now then.
0: Carl Burgess. Big man. And I can't let you finish with anybody else but Robert Remus Perfect Porter. Oh, Cakes. (laughs) Very, very good, Leroy, and I commend you for your speed of response. Now, normally when I do these segments, I just edit out all the awkward silences, but uh, I won't be needing to do that because you're quick as a fiddle. Now, uh, before we head towards the end of the podcast, Leroy, there's uh, something I must press you about, which is... uh... Plans for, for, for the coming season, and, and dare I say it, that there might be a little bit of a rumour about uh, a potential return from the the Manchester wilderness. Can you confirm or deny these reports?
1: Neither confirm or deny. I'm not too sure, obviously with the little and being very young at the minute, and working if I will play, but I possibly might play. But you guys don't need any players, you've got loads of players now. I might just come down and watch and drink.
0: Well, on the it's contrary, easier. Leroy, we are now stepping up to four teams on a Saturday, so you know we we need all, all hands to the pump. So
1: ask me in April, <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm saying working, you'll know exactly. I think I would love to come back. Actually, to be fair, I'm going to play. It's a lovely, it's a family club, isn't it? So Percy's going to play. Hope them is older. That's loving to play down there, at Mac.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, it's something we've not mentioned about on the on the podcast previously, but you have spent a few seasons playing a bit of cricket over in the Manchester League there um, with uh, sort of differing uh, levels of enjoyment, I think, by your own admission. But um, I, I know, you know, joking aside, you mentioned to me that, you know, you might hope to uh, play the odd game next season and, and, and maybe come back and play at Mac because I think by your own admission... I'm not putting words in your mouth. If if you want to play cricket anywhere, it's obviously going to be at Mac, and hopefully that uh, that does lead to the odd appearance. We'll have to see.
1: Yeah, like I said, if I'm going to play, it probably will be back at Maxfield.
0: Well, Leroy, I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Uh, any closing remarks before we uh, wrap up the podcast?
1: No, nothing for me, Miles. Really enjoyable. It was nice, yeah
0: excellent well uh it's good to touch base with you mate and i know there'll be lots of people keen to to see you down at macrosfield next season and indeed hopefully uh twirling away and maybe hitting a few sixes
1: just find me the bar be easier
0: <laughs> a man that's never too far away from a bar i think that's an appropriate way to finish mate perfect cheers Milo. take it easy we'll see you soon